0: Welcome to Quantum Magazine's podcast. Each week we bring you stories about developments in science and mathematics. I'm Susan Vallett. John Nash became famous in pop culture after the 2001 film A Beautiful Mind, starring Russell Crowe as Nash. But before the movie, Nash was already a legend in economics. His Nobel Prize-winning Equilibrium concept reshaped economic policies. But new research shows just how difficult it is to reach a Nash equilibrium in real-world situations. In 1950, John Nash wrote a two-page paper that transformed the theory of economics. His idea was groundbreaking but simple. Any competitive game has an equilibrium. It works something like this. You're playing a game with someone, or many other players, and everyone has arrived at a strategy that works best for them. Changing strategies is not going to help you, or anyone else, win more. So you end up at sort of an impasse, known as a Nash equilibrium. Nash's equilibrium concept earned him a Nobel Prize in Economics in 1994. It offers a unified framework for understanding strategic behavior in economics, as well as psychology, evolutionary biology, and other fields. The University of Chicago's Roger Meyerson, who also won a Nobel Prize in economics, writes that the influence of the Nash equilibrium on economic theory is comparable to the discovery of the DNA double helix in biology. When players are at equilibrium, no one has a reason to stray from it. But how do players reach that point in the first place? When a ball rolls down a hill and comes to rest in a valley, there are obvious forces at work. But Stanford theoretical computer scientist Tim Roughgarden says we know of no such force for Nash equilibrium.
1: It's always been sort of a thorn in, in the side of microeconomists. You know, they, they use these equilibrium concepts, but it's not... Yeah. And they're sort of hoping, you know, they, they analyze them as if people will be in a Nash equilibrium. But there isn't always a very satisfying explanation of why they will be in a Nash equilibrium, as opposed to just groping around for one.
0: You wouldn't expect to find an equilibrium after playing a game once. Especially if you know only how much you personally value the game's different outcomes, but not how much your opponents do. If you play the game repeatedly, you might be able to learn from the early rounds and steer the game toward an equilibrium. But researchers haven't been able to find any efficient learning methods. Aviad Rubinstein is a doctoral student in theoretical computer science at UC Berkeley. He says economists have proposed ways to quickly reach equilibrium, but Rubinstein says for each such mechanism, there are simple games where that doesn't work. Rubinstein and Yakov Babachenko, a mathematician at the Technion Israel Institute of Technology, explained why in a paper posted online last fall. They proved that no method of adapting strategies in response to previous games will efficiently reach even an approximate Nash equilibrium for every possible game. Roughgarden says it's a sweeping negative result. Roger Meyerson says economists often use Nash equilibrium analyses to justify proposed economic reforms. But this new result says that economists can't just assume that game players will get a Nash equilibrium unless they can justify what's special about the particular game in question. Noam Nisan is a computer scientist at the Hebrew University in Jerusalem.
1: If you are trying to figure out if your game will have, you know, will which easily find an equilibrium will, you know small communication will suffice it's on you to provide the argument why it would be so i would say that once you have a negative result suddenly the burden of proof of that something is easy falls upon you completely again
0: in some simple games it's easy to spot nash equilibria for example i prefer chinese food and you prefer italian but our strongest preference is that we dine together Two obvious equilibria are for both of us to go to a Chinese restaurant, or both of us to go to an Italian restaurant. Sure, we know our own preferences, but let's say we aren't allowed to share that with the other person. It won't take many rounds of missed connections and lonely dinners before we learn each other's preferences, and hopefully find a happy middle, an equilibrium, where we can eat together. But imagine if the dinner plans involved 100 people. You know whom you prefer to dine with, and no one knows anyone else's preferences. Nash proved in 1950 that even large, complicated games like this always have an equilibrium, even if you have to broaden the idea of strategy to allow random choices. But Nash never explained how to calculate such an equilibrium. Babachenko and Rubinstein dove into Nash's proof. They showed that, in general, there's no guaranteed method for players to find a Nash Equilibrium unless they tell each other virtually everything about their own preferences. And as the number of players in a game grows, the amount of time required for all of this communication quickly becomes unrealistic. Let's say we're back with those 100 people trying to figure out dinner plans— Cycling through all of the possible preference combinations with each other to find a match would literally take longer than the time since the Big Bang. We would be dead from hunger. This communication bottleneck means that every possible method for adapting strategies from round to round will fail to guide players efficiently to a Nash equilibrium for some complex games. That includes our dinner game with 100 hungry people who have complicated preferences. After all, in each round, the players, or potential diners, learn only a bit of new information about each other. Game theorist Sergio Hart says if it's going to take longer than the age of the universe, it's completely useless. It might seem natural, almost obvious, that players will sometimes need to know everything about each other's values to find a Nash equilibrium. But Babachenko and Rubinstein's paper shows that this same limitation holds even if the players are willing to make do with an approximate Nash equilibrium. The finding is important when it comes to real-world applications, where an outcome that's close to a Nash equilibrium is often good enough. The new result doesn't imply that all or even most games will have this limitation, only that some games will. Many of the games economists use to model the real world have additional structure that reduces the amount of information that each player has to communicate. For example, if 100 of us chose one of two routes along our morning commute, you probably don't care which players go which way, only how many go one way or the other. That means your collection of preferences will have a high degree of symmetry. Potentially, you could share all of them in a few short sentences. Economists could use arguments like this to justify why Nash equilibrium might be attainable for particular games. But the new result implies that such justifications have to be made on a case-by-case basis. There's no one argument that will cover all games all the time. Many games that have evolved along with civilization might be simplified this way. But the Internet is full of all kinds of many-player games, from dating sites to online stock trading that can't be simplified. Computer scientist Noam Nissan says economists will have to adapt.
1: We're designing all these you know, new processes and new games on the Internet. And at this point, we don't have slow evolution of humanity that only steers that towards games where it is easy to find an equilibrium, where somehow humans are able to find an equilibrium. We design a new game, and if we suppose that we're going to get an equilibrium, we're very often going to be wrong.
0: In real life, people don't often play games at equilibrium. Andrew McLennan, an economist at the University of Queensland in Australia, says this is something that economists are keenly aware of. But they don't have any theoretical structure for asking how precise economics can be. He says theoretical computer science results, like the one from Babachenko and Rubinstein, should inspire economists to address the issue in a formal way. But the two fields have very different mindsets, which can hamper interdisciplinary communication. Economists tend to look for simple models that capture the essence of a complex interaction— Theoretical computer scientists are often more interested in understanding what happens as the models grow increasingly complex. McLennan says he wishes his colleagues in economics were more aware and more interested in what computer science is doing. The new work draws a line between Nash equilibrium and another more general equilibrium concept called correlated equilibrium. Nobel-winning economist Robert Aumann first proposed that in 1974, nearly a quarter century after Nash's paper. Correlated Equilibrium presents a scenario where game players each receive advice about what strategy to play from a trusted mediator known as a correlating device. The mediator's advice forms a correlated equilibrium if you, the individual player, have no incentive to deviate from the advice you receive based on the belief that everyone else is following the mediator's advice too. We use correlated equilibria all the time. Instead of starving, maybe we toss a coin to decide whether we'll go out for Chinese or Italian. Maybe we let a traffic light decide which of us will go first through an intersection. In these two examples, each player, each of us, knows exactly what advice the mediator is giving to the other player. The mediator's advice essentially helps us coordinate which Nash equilibrium to play. But sometimes we don't know exactly what advice the others are getting, only how the different kinds of advice are correlated with each other. Allman showed that a set of correlated equilibria can contain more than just combinations of Nash equilibria. It can include forms of play that aren't Nash equilibria at all. But sometimes those forms of play can result in a more positive societal outcome than any of the Nash equilibria. For example, in some games where cooperation yields a higher total payoff than acting selfishly, a mediator can sometimes trick players into cooperating by withholding the advice given to other players. Roger Meyerson, a Nobel laureate from the University of Chicago, calls the finding a bolt from the blue.
1: We've normally been thinking about something one way, but there's another way of thinking about the problem where the mathematics just becomes much simpler. And in this case, we're talking about people and rationality and problems of trusting each other when we each have different goals.
0: Meyerson says with this other way of thinking about it, the mathematics is so
1: much more beautiful. Shouldn't we be thinking about it that way? So I was trying to say, how can I quantify the naturalness of this? What I came up with was, I said, you know, I'd like to propose the, the conjecture that if we could survey a portion of the galaxy around us that's large enough to have a large number of planets on which there are civilizations that have developed game theory, I hypothesize that we'll find that actually more planets discovered correlated equilibrium in their literature before Nash equilibrium was formulated, than formulated Nash equilibrium first.
0: When it comes to repeated rounds of play, many of the most natural ways that players could choose to adapt their strategies converge to correlated equilibria. A good example of this is a regret minimization approach. Before each round, players increase the probability of using a given strategy if they regret not having used it more in the past. Stanford's Tim Roughgarden says this is a rewarding
1: approach. So why is this satisfying? This is satisfying because you've proposed a method by which players experiment, which does bear some resemblance to real life. You know, paying attention to what's worked well in the past, combined with, you know, occasionally experimenting a bit. So it's a sort of plausible process for experimentation. And you can prove in a formal sense that you get, you know, fast, very fast convergence to an approximate equilibrium.
0: For many regret-minimizing approaches, play will rapidly converge to a correlated equilibrium in a certain way. After maybe 100 rounds have been played, the game history looks essentially the same as if a mediator was advising the players all along. As play continues, the players won't necessarily stay at the same correlated equilibrium. After 1,000 rounds, for instance, they may have drifted to a new equilibrium. Their 1,000-game history might look like it was guided by a different mediator than before. Roughgarden says the process is similar to what happens in real life, as societal norms about which equilibrium should be played evolve. Computer scientist Noam Nisan says correlated equilibrium is the leading contender in the kinds of complex games where Nash equilibrium is hard to reach. But just because there's fast convergence doesn't mean that any individual round of the game is being played at a correlated equilibrium, only that the long-term history of the game is. Rubenstein says that means regret minimization approaches aren't always an ideal choice for rational players. And that means there's no definitive answer to the question, what will rational players do? Rubenstein says it's still the early days in studying this decades-old problem. Nash himself wasn't able to see this latest twist to the theory he pioneered. He died in a car crash in 2015 at the age of 86. This episode was produced by Jeanette Kasmerzak. I'm Susan Vallett. For more on this story, read Erica Clarish's full article, In Game Theory, No Clear Path to Equilibrium, on our website, quantamagazine.org.